WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup with Dave Prodan. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 81. By the time this airs, we will be under 10 days out from the world title deciding Rip Curl WSL Finals with Carissa Moore, Tatiana Weston-Webb, Sally Fitzgibbon, Stephanie Gilmore, and Joanne DeFay battling for the women's world title, and Gabriel Medina, Idolo Fajera, Felipe Toledo, Connor Coffin, and Morgan Sibilic vying for the men's world title. The window for the Rip Curl WSL Finals at Lower Trestles opens on September 9th. Get your fantasy team set at worldsurfleague.com backslash fantasy and get into the Lineup Podcast Fantasy League. And the Lineup will be on location for the WSL Finals, doing live episodes every lay day at 4 p.m. from the Rip Curl Surf Center in San Clemente, which is... Full circle for me, back to my roots. I'm looking forward to it. The shows will be open to the public. If you're in town, there is limited space. So grab your masks and join us on the lay days at 4 p.m. for the lineup live. And we'll be getting insights from the likes of Mick Fanning, Tyler Wright, Bethany Hamilton, and others. All right, episode 81. The Break Room is back for its third installment. And we break down what was happening behind the scenes during the Tahiti cancellation, the Mexico completion, the solidification of the WSL Final Five, and the re-qualification chaos. We talk about all this and more. Please enjoy the lineup's third installment of The Break Room. The good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? We can shut your fucking lips. And then I'll just say, put them up once, let's go. 
He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. I thought you were boxing. All right, and we're back. We're here for the uh, third and a uh, little bit overdue, certainly long anticipated installment of the lineups break room. And joined once again by Lindsay Volk, Dan Willen, Kim Hogan, Hendo Bayer, and Ryan Fawcett. Let's get rolling on today's topics because we have a lot to talk about. A lot has happened since our last break room and a lot is about to happen. But winding the clock back a little bit, on the evening of Wednesday, August 11th, the WSL received word that the French government had declared a state of emergency in Tahiti, closing the border, meaning that the outer known Tahiti Pro, our scheduled final championship tour event of the season, was unfortunately canceled. This occurred mid-event in Mexico, and the surfers, who were certainly aware of the possibility that this all season could happen, woke up to the news, uh, resulting in really, no other way to put it, chaos. This impacted the WSL Final Five. This impacted the careers of the surfers trying to requalify. And I thought it'd be good for us to start out with a little bit of a behind the scenes across our different departments of the inner workings of the Tahiti cancellations. Uh, to cancel, cancellation, excuse me. What did it mean inside the building? And, and how did each of you find out about this news? And, and what did that result in for your day? Lindsay, do you mind starting us off? I would be happy to. Yeah, I found out that morning. Um, I work in marketing and at about 6 a.m. I'm up early anyway, but our chief marketing officer shot me a text and was like, hey, are you up? Can we chat? And so it's like, that's never good news. And she let me know then that it was canceled. And so wanted to think through the ramifications of that because to your point, Dave, immediately we knew that without Tahiti, that the competition in Mexico was sort of altered completely. Like, what does that mean for our marketing play? What does that mean in terms of finals and the final five? And so we had a quick home phone call on that. And then it was pretty much starting the scramble from there of trying to triage and understand what next steps were. But I don't think we ever really got ahead of that throughout the day. What do those next steps look like on your side, Lindsay, for like marketing? Yeah. So, I mean, it was also tricky because we didn't know um, the call for the event hadn't happened. So didn't know if the event in Mexico was going to run that day, but it's a couple different things. So it's like, for example, if the event is on, if the event was going to be on in Mexico, we already knew that it's basically a heat by heat scenarios play based on how scores impact the rankings. Because what we're looking at is trying to zone in on who are the WSL final five. In the absence of Tahiti, we knew that everyone was going to be established at Mexico. So then when I say next steps, it's balancing, you know, what is the messaging around tuning into Mexico, but then also throughout the day, how can we treat those moments to, um, like the clinching moments for Gabe and Carissa, we sort of had an opportunity to do a nice playbook and closely zero in on when that was going to happen. But then for Mexico, because we had to rely on so many different factors, like drop scores, who wins one heat, it was sort of like all day figuring out the different scenarios. But because of the number of heats, the number of surfers, it was almost like those scenarios were endless. Uh, so that was a little tricky. The scenarios was the worst and the best part of the day because like we were getting information from everywhere and like it was really hard for us to figure out who was clinching all of a sudden like the whole season was going to be decided like the final five was going to be decided the requalification and non-requalification was get decided like 
in the next like eight hours. And so Slack was just just all time that day. It was like, Jordy's in. Oh, wait, no, Cano is in. No, wait, wait, Griff's in. Like, it was crazy. And it was very exciting because I kept like, I was I was going through a full range of emotions each time we got an update on who like the fifth member of the finals was. And then finally it was Connor at some point in the day. And I was like, is that even possible? Like, I just had never considered that he could have done it. But like, it was all over the place. We were like, there were so many scenarios flying around and like requalification, we couldn't even really get to that day because there was like so much final five implications on both the men's and, men's and women's side. It was wild. I loved the comment that you said, like when we were doing our production for this show and you said like, it was crazy that you had to kind of put requalification on the back burner when that's like people's lives oh, and yeah. careers. And you're like, that has to wait till Monday. Yeah. I was like, so when do we know who requalified? And they're like, no, 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 no. Like that, that's next week. Right now we just have to crown some, or we have to do some clinch assets. We need to let people know who made the finals. But it was a wild day. Very exciting though. People, sorry, I feel like people watching the broadcast were getting like only a fraction of the drama because like there was so much happening like with every heat, with every wave, like all of a sudden Frederico could make it. It was like nonstop. Yeah, I'll tell you, we felt that on the ground at Barra as well. I was in the post-production nerd cave as we call it and as those scenarios were coming to play we're starting to build these play-ons to feature in the broadcast with people who clench it so as those scenarios change the editors are just scrambling to make these awesome edits and you know we felt so many different ranges of emotions from you know unfortunately having Tahiti canceled to then focusing on the final five and you know it worked out as a busy day but um, at the end of the day I think it turned out really good. Hindo how did you find out? Yeah, so I didn't really know the day of. I could kind of sense this kind of weird energy going around. And anytime that executives or people come into the Nerd Cave, I kind of know something is going on. Dave, you've come in a few times to maybe review a score here and there or whatnot. But that day, I think a few, or like look at a wave or whatever, you know, I think. No, 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 he's, he's pulling strings on the, with the judges. I, for the record, I don't have my, my thumb on the scale being like, fuck that guy, he's not on my scores. fantasy team, we're changed, That's, that doesn't happen. Reviewing the scores, lowering some points. That's I like right. review a score, but like look at a wave That's with the right. judge, whatever. When things like that happen, I'm like, oh, something serious going on. So that day, uh, I'm not going to name names, but a few people came in and I had a clip to look at and it was an announcement that it was being canceled. And I don't know if the majority of people there had known at the time, myself included. So I started QCing the clip and I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's the news. And then sure enough, they played it on the broadcast and that's kind of how I found out. But during that, uh, there was a certain TV show that was also recording around that whole situation. So... Tune into Apple. Maybe you'll check it out. There's going to be a lot of excitement. <laughs> that box to box show is going to have so much good insider drama and insight between everything that happened in Hawaii, the cancellations, the COVID stuff, the Australian leg. Like, I can't, I can't wait to actually watch that show and find out. Because on my side, too, it's so interesting hearing everybody talk about like final five things and qualification and like on the ground. And I oversee podcasts and like music. And so my only thought was like, oh, Tahiti's canceled. We were supposed to have Keala Kinley on. Should we not have her on anymore? Should we still have her on? Like she was going to talk about Tahiti. It's like a totally different experience. I wasn't even really thinking about Final Five. I wasn't because it doesn't affect my like day to day. I mean, I was wondering who was going to make it. But that was basically as far as it went for me. It was just like, I wonder who's going to go in. 
You know, one of the other things that that I, I know we talk about, but I don't think gets enough credit is the fact that like most of the places we go are pretty remote. And the event we were doing in Bar de la Cruz was really remote and infrastructure was tough. Internet was really tough. And I was on the phone with the tourism competition office throughout that day. And they were really struggling because they had to work everything out in real time, you know, cocktail napkin math. They didn't have the internet working either. So communication was a nightmare. Everything was delayed. As you guys pointed out, it wasn't just the final five that were being decided on those days. It was people's careers um, in a lot of ways. And so the pressure was really intense and um, it was just a scramble. And I think, Kim, you were kind of on the receiving end of that, too, because you weren't getting confirmation for designing assets until like late, late in the day. Is that is that right? We had a lot pulled, but I think that to Lindsay's point about all of the scenarios, it gets to be really hectic when it's like, if Steph wins this heat or if Steph loses this heat, it'll be decided tomorrow. But if she wins it, not only does she get a spot in the final five, but it changes around the order of the rankings for the women. So it's like it turns into this sort of scramble burger of like what the actual results look like and then the um, the fallout of that, which hits me and it hits Lindsay and it hits Dan and like it just sort of like taps everyone on the head in this way that's like so (laughs) so so hectic um and then you're also watching because that's the only way you find out in real time too right like people aren't necessarily gatekeeping but we're we're like watching the event to find out (laughs) what happens with our the things that we need to make are you even making assets like just as drafts or anything? Because, I mean, there's so many different scenarios. So are you like doing a final five with Kanoa in the in the graphic and then doing a final five with Connor and then doing a final five with whoever else? Or are you just kind of waiting and biding your time till you know? Yeah, there's like spaces for everyone. But more than anything, it's about like pulling images. So like we have this gigantic library of like hundreds of thousands of images over the last 20 years. Um, And so I have to pull images or Jason or someone else on our team has to pull images of everyone who could possibly qualify. So like Lindsay and everyone is, you know, on the men's side, it was like there were so many past, you know, we were up to like number 10 of who could qualify. And so treating and masking and all of that stuff to ensure that the asset is ready or that image of them is ready to put into the larger asset or whatever, their headshot. Um, Some of them aren't even updated because we haven't been able to have those photo shoots in the last year. So it's like a very funny, (laughs) a very, very hectic and funny setup. It's kind of like all the Phoenix Suns World Champions merch that doesn't get used. Like you could, maybe this those photo files you can send to like Kano and Griffin be like, sorry, you didn't make it, but we did the work anyway. Well, it's like the Olympic stuff we did two years ago. Like we have all of that stuff from the people who didn't make the Olympic team. Yeah, they're still in my office. That's I'm going to like sell them to Kelly and be like, hey, you know, in another, in the multiversal reality where you did make the Olympics, you could have used this. So here you go. But he has one. I know there's one for Kelly. There's, we have a ton of them, but we have to do that stuff. Right. And we did them for the, we do them for the title every year. Like people have, congr- everyone who could win a title has a congratulations. You won oh, asset. Yeah. And <laughs> the congrats we, videos from 2019 are there's like 10 of them <laughs> yeah and we yeah. have to work really hard on them and sort of fall in love with each of them and tell all of these stories and how, do a really heartfelt congratulations because we are really excited for whoever does win but we have to be prepared on our side right just like you're saying with the finals merch like <laughs> we have to be ready yeah where does that go for the runner-up if they have world champion merch and then they didn't get it 
I think it gets to goes to Goodwill or something. Goes to Dave. Yeah, Cohen's. I heard it like Goodwills, or is it? It often turns up in like other countries where people just like need stuff to wear. It's like okay. they've got no yeah. idea that the Bucks won the NBA Finals. They're like, oh wow, good go some. <laughs> good job, Chris Paul. He finally got his ring. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. What's it like? The you know perceptions nine tenths of reality. So you know someone's living a good life out there. I want that Taj Bro World Champ hat. So oh. does Taj, I'm sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> despite what he says. Well, this this is good. This this actually leads us to our our next topic. It actually sets up the rest of the conversation for this episode. Gearing up for the Rip Curl WSL Finals, we have our WSL Final Five men and women. Um, I'll do my best to to count them uh, five to one on the women's side. Joanne DeFay, Stephanie Gilmore, Sally Fitzgibbons, Tatiana Weston Webb. Carissa Moore, and then on the men's side, uh, Morgan Sibillic, Connor Coffin, uh, Felipe Toledo, Italo Fajera, and Gabriel Medina. They're going to be competing at Lower Trestles very, very soon on the best single day of the window, which runs from September 9th through the 17th. And they'll be competing in a linear format, right? So the fifth seeds and the fourth seeds will surf in the first match. The winner will then surf against the three seed. The winner will then surf against the two seed. And the winner will then surf against the number one seeds, which is Carissa and Gabriel in a best two out of three bout for the undisputed world title. Never been done before. There's a ton of excitement around it. Um, and I think, Hendo, you've actually pulled some stats on these particular surfers matching up with everyone. Can you run us through what you got? Yes, uh, Kim, if you could run me through the nerd machine noises. I definitely pulled a lot of stats. It took a decent amount of time. So I've got to give a lot of credit to the producers on the broadcast side who do this for a living. Many, many props. Um, but there's a lot of interesting stuff here. First and foremost, Gabe Medina, of course, the favorite in the final. As it comes to matchups with Morgan, Connor, Felipe, and Italo, he has the jump on Morgan where he's won four times. They've matched up four times. He's won four times. Morgan has not won once. Otherwise, Felipe has three to two, Felipe's favor, and Gabe is four and seven to Italo with Italo having the jump there. So that's pretty fascinating. And again, this data is human-driven. I am only human. I'm not dancer, despite what people think. So maybe there's errors here and there, but uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that? The the Gabe stats are crazy. I mean, first of all, I'm surprised he's already surfed against Morgs four times in one season. That's crazy. Um, but the fact that Italo is up seven four is pretty intense. Like, if it comes down to that, two two, if they end up in the final together, together with back to back titles on the line, that, that's wild. That Italo has the edge. You just don't like it. It takes like a mind your mind a sec to adjust to that because Gabe is just so dominant. I do want to cycle back to Connor just for a minute because he was a an early, early guest on the lineup um, where uh, we were just sort of testing out how to do these things. And one of the things that stuck with me from that conversation was asking Connor, what is your goal for being on the CT? Are you trying to win a world title or are you just like here to serve your best? And he was he was pretty candid. He's like, oh, I'm not here to win a world title. Like I and it, and to be frank, like he hadn't really gotten close to one at that point in his career, and this was only a couple years ago, he was just like, I'm just happy to be here and serve my best and keep getting better. And maybe at some point I'll be there. And here he is, you know, with a title on the line. And, and not only he is here with a title on the line, he is the only American 
with a chance this year, which compared to the field of the last couple of years, you know, when you're looking at people like Kelly and people like Griffin and, and even sort of the sovereign surfing nation of Hawaiians, like people like Seth and John, John, it is really impressive that he's here. Yeah. And wouldn't you say that he has the most experience out there from NSSAs to Nike lowers pros and all that going to lowers is pretty close to him from Santa Barbara. Yeah, he's. I think he's got a lot. He's also switched board builders this year. He was with Channel Islands for pretty much since the time he was in diapers. And over the last two years, he switched over to JS. And um, I think a lot of people kind of side-eyed that decision, and it's obviously paid off for him. So good for him. I think he deserves to be there because he's there. Like, he obviously deserves to be there. The numbers, I don't know, Stab or anybody else who would say, like, kind of snuck in like he got he's in the final five like period you can't take that away from him the numbers and the way he performed got him there he is there and it's a tall order to make a run from five to one but like if he finds a way to beat morgan and then finds a way to beat felipe all of a sudden he's like a couple rounds away from a world title like that's pretty amazing or we used Morgan as like a proxy for like, oh, wouldn't it be crazy if he made it? But Morgan just didn't pay any fucking attention to people like that. He was like, well, I'm here to win. And he belted the crap out of the world's best surfers. And here he is. That's awesome. It's the magic of the finals. Magic of the finals. I think on the women's side in particular, I was really, really interested. And I know we talked about this last time moving into these last two events in Mexico and Tahiti, which didn't happen. But we had surfers like Tyler Wright, who'd missed a few events. We had surfers like Caroline Marks, who is really sort of the great American hope for women surfing at the moment. They didn't make the final five. Thoughts? Yeah, it's surprising to me with Caroline, especially. I think that she would flourish at Trestles. She does some fantastic surfing out there. And when it came to Mex, I just don't know if she just put up those results. You know, we saw a lot of people when that announcement was made, they stepped it up and highly props to Malia. She stepped it up into fifth gear and really turned it on. But when it came down to it, I don't know. Caroline just didn't, she's not in the final five now. It's it's kind of surprising on my end. Yeah, I think that surprising is the word. I think that especially like in the conversation we're having about Connor, the deserving aspect of it is tricky. Like I think that everyone on the championship tour deserves a spot for it. But if it, they don't end up there, they don't end up there. And I think that exactly it's surprising sometimes, but it's all based on performance and that's the magic of it. So I think on the women's side, it just, it ended up how it ends up and better luck next year. See you on the Challenger Series, maybe for a little bit more waves. Yeah, I think the thing that's surprising with Caroline and, um, and Tyler for me on the women's side is like, there were no repeat winners in the women's side this year. There, every event was won by something, someone different. So even though Carissa kind of ran away at the beginning, like I would have thought that even the playing field enough for Tyler, who won the first event, to really like shoot up there. But um, it just seemed like no one could get like that second win and really just like nail their spot up there, other than Carissa. Um, I don't know. I, I was shocked that that neither of them made it. But like Sally won an event, Joanne won an event, Tati won an event, and they 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 deserve it. I mean, not deserve it, but they are in their spot. Yeah, I mean, you think about like if you were gonna take out like Tyler's being not there is, is surprising, Caroline not being there is surprising. But who are you gonna give the spot to? Like, who are you gonna take out? Joanne performed great all year. Steph, especially with the last win, Sally's been great all year. Tati was great. Like, who are you even gonna take out to? Who did they perform better than? I feel like they didn't perform better than any of those five. Mm-hmm. That gets back to the whole point of the WSL and the championship tour and these platforms is it's like surprising or not, it doesn't matter who you are. You have to go out there and perform. 
right? And that's kind of nice, like in a world that's a lot of times, you know, style-based and flash-based and marketing-based and PR-based. It's like there's not really anywhere to hide in the realm of live competition. You either do it or you don't. And uh, But that's what I like about the finals like too. You got to go out and perform. You got to win the title. You got to win it in the water. It's not, you can't hide behind numbers anymore. It's like if the tour works that way, that's how the finals should work too. So that's why it's great. Well, on the topic of the finals, I'm super excited because we are resurrecting an old lineup favorite in the time machine. The time machine was a feature where uh, myself and um, some of our guests, usually Pat, would wind the clock back on different years and and plug in, you know, uh, hypothetical final five and 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 hypothesize where they'd end up in the finals. And now we get to do it uh, looking forward because we have our final five. We know where it's going to be. Lower trestles. And we have broken the break room into two teams, uh, Ryan, Kim, and Hendo versus Lindsay, Dan, and myself. We're going to run through our picks, and the team that comes out performing better will earn a pizza party Stay. from the other team. So high, high stakes. Love the Zot. Let me throw one curveball at you guys real quick. The only two to win this at Trestles in previous events out of all 10 is Steph Gilmore and Felipe Toledo on both sides. Just to let you guys know. Interesting. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Doesn't impact our choices. We're good to go. <laughs> All right, so let's let's run through. What we'll do is, it, Ryan, Kim, Hendo, do you want to elect a spokesperson? Uh, I, I elect Lindsay on our side um, to run through our picks. And then maybe I'll just tee up the matchups. And then whoever on your side, you guys go through your pick, we'll go through our pick. The record will be locked in perpetuity, cemented in the annals of podcasting history. Can't go back on it. And we'll see how we do. I think uh, we'll take Hendo as our spokesperson. Um, okay. And you could just call us, um, we'll take pepperoni, please. That- <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> All right. So the opening match, as we discussed, is going to be between Joanne DeFay and Stephanie Gilmore. Uh, Team Pepperoni, who do you got? We got Stephanie Gilmore. Okay, Linz? We also have Stephanie Gilmore. Ooh. <laughs> All right, neck and neck. Match one on the men's side will be between Morgan Sibilic and Connor Coffin. Team Pepperoni, who do you got? We are going with the California kid, Connor Coffin. Late substitution right. on that one. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. On Linz? our side, we are actually going with Morgs on this. We agree. We think that Connor is going to hit the water super fired up, and we think he's pissed about the stab article. But in the end, Morgs <laughs> has just got luck on his side, and he's going to win this one. My two cents on that is that Morgs has been camping over the last couple of weeks or the last week since Mexico, somewhere in California, and it reminds me of Rocky Four, <laughs> where Rocky was just out in the wilderness. Well, Drago is in a lab getting juiced up. I, I think Morgan's got some Rocky Four vibes going on heading into the finals. All right, next match. So we have Steph advancing to meet Sally Fitzgibbons. Team Pepperoni, who's your pick? Uh, let's see. We got Sally Fitz on this one. Ooh. Ooh, We're yeah, loving Sally. She looks great in the water right now. We agree that Sally looks great, but we think that Steph's sort of in to fight this one, and she's going to walk away with another win. Another departure. Just real quick, one of the reasons we had talked about Sally and Hindo had mentioned this is just the airs that she's able to throw. If she's able to put together some airs against Steph or Tati, she's going to be hard to beat. 
Yeah, it was a tough decision, but when it comes down to it, if there's air ramps there, we've seen Sally bust a couple good ones this year. Could favor her. I feel like there's this weird thing going on where Steph is like post hype almost. Like people are just like, oh, yeah, yeah, Steph's good. But, and it's like, this is the seven time champ going for the record right now at a wave <laughs> that she's won at. Like, you can't. And like, I just feel like she's the ultimate competitor. You give her a shot, you get her close, and she she's going to be dangerous. Okay. I'm second guessing again. If she takes it, I'll buy you a pizza, Dan. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, we'll see what the total adds up to. But it's a good point. Like, I'm on those uh, box-to-box shows for the Apple TV show. And they're kind of like, yeah, like, you know, it, Steph's, if she, like, passed her prime, I'm like, she just belted the crap out of everyone in Mexico. Like, I, I don't Yeah, this isn't is. Kelly we're like, talking about. This is, like... <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> Kelly My was God. ripping in Mexico, too. It's going to be like... <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. Yeah, some horrific, like, I Kelly know. Stab Magazine chimera is going to come kidding. after Dan at some point. And, and it's like, Dan, it's get, this is going to be the moment that is the last dance moment for Kelly, where he's like, I listened to that podcast, and I took that fucking personally. And I destroyed Dan <laughs> I hope Willen. he does. I would, love to see, yeah. I would love to see him in the final five next year. Con- consume me, Kelly. Okay. Where, where are we? We're back to the men. All right. So, so Team Pepperoni, uh, because we've departed, you now have Connor Coffin meeting Felipe Toledo, whereas we have Morgan Sibillic meeting Felipe Toledo. But Team Pepperoni, who's your pick, Connor or Felipe? Yeah, we're going with Felipe Toledo here. Uh, back to the air game and, and all that. Felipe is just so dominant out there with having a win under his belt. I mean, he could be out there and it's with his eyes closed. This is backyard now, too. So local advantage-ish. He lives there. Mm-hmm. Linz? We also have Felipe winning this heat. So we have him overtaking Morks here. Similar reasons. He's out there, backyard. We think he's got this one. I like it. Back to the women. We have the number two seed, Tatiana Weston Webb, for Team Pepperoni, meeting Sally Fitzgibbons. And for us, meeting Steph Gilmore. Team Pepperoni, who you got, Tatiana or Sally? I got to say, I was so impressed with uh, the run that Tati had this year. She was surfing great, ripping at Barra. Fantastic backside, but we again we're feeling the mana of Sally Fitz for some reason in our group, and we're gonna go with Sal here. Wow! All right, Lindsay, get get ready to continue to break the internet. Yeah, we're gonna go in a direction we haven't gone before. And say Stephanie Gilmore is gonna win this one. Keep it going. That's right. Three wins for Steph Gilmore on our side at the moment. Wow. Steph's got to be tired then going yeah, into the final for you guys. Yeah, she deserved so much that day. Get this. She's not tired. She's yeah. still fired up. <laughs> she, she's loose. She's comfortable. The board feels better. Yeah, we like it. Back to the men. The number two seed reigning world champion Italo Ferreira meeting the challenger Felipe Toledo for both teams. Team Pepperoni, who you got, Felipe or Italo? That's tough to do again because this dude is an ultimate frother. Italo, we love you, man. But the results, looking at it, we're feeling the vibes of Felipe flying around. So we went with Felipe again. Mm. Linz? Interesting. We also went with Felipe again. It broke our hearts to not pick Italo, but we did choose Felipe. I feel like it's Felipe's time to to enter the ring mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, he... He was almost a forerunner to most of the storm because he won so much early on and you know he's had to weather some criticism. I think I think he's fired up and I think I think he uh, I think he's so dangerous everywhere. Mm. We're down to the final bout which for team pepperoni is Carissa versus Sally Fitz. Who you got? All right. Well, again, 
I don't want to be the bearer of bad news here, but our team, don't point the finger at me, said uh, we're going with Carissa two rounds, game over. Thanks for coming. Aloha. She takes it down. Not mm. even a, not even one he win for, for Sally? Have you seen Carissa Moore in the water this year? <laughs> I have not. I mean, come on. Mm. Interesting. Well, obviously, we have departed up until this point, and our team has a final between Steph and Carissa. Lindsay? So on our side, Steph has won every heat thus far. Chris has been watching from the beach. She's nervous. In the water, unfortunately, she loses to Steph. Steph breaks what? the record. It's the title. <laughs> yeah. She breaks you the have record. Steph making a run the entire way? Mm-hmm. You heard it here first. Wow. Good for That'd Steph. Good for you guys. He, heroes, heroes get remembered, <laughs> but legends never die, right? Chris is not a legend? Yeah, not wow. Yet. Old. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. I, I would love to see this fairy tale play out. Steph, I mean, that would be fantastic. I would love that. Would be I think it'd be rad to, that in year one, some to to prove someone could do it, like the first heat, first match mm-hmm. to the final. I mean, so. you really you could not design it between two titans at that point. I think two two bigger titans in women's surfing. Carissa is an absolute legend, and she's incredible. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how that plays out. The box-to-box show automatically gets a season two if that happens. <laughs> I feel like they had a season two after we got COVID at Pipeline. Like, they were ready to go. <laughs> Men's final for both of us. We have Gabriel Medina, Terminator, two-time world champion against the challenger, Felipe Toledo. Team Pepperoni, who you got? Okay, so I don't know exactly how it'll play out, but we have three heats. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say Felipe's firing out the gates. He's frothed up from that momentum and he goes and he takes down Medina. And then Medina is like, ah, he gets pissed. He's feeling that competitive nature. He goes, come on, man, this is my new win. Medina goes one, two, boom. Medina is your world champion. Okay. Okay. Lindsay. Similarly on our side, we have Gabe and Felipe in the end. Um, we similarly think that in that first heat, Felipe is going to win it, and then Gabe's going to come back and get those next two and win the title. All right, so we agree. Happy Gabe can't lose. We agree. Yeah. Plenty, of, plenty of departures though, right? So we'll see how it plays out here. The Rip Curl WSL Finals will go down at lower trestles on the best AO waves between September 9th through the 17th. Do not miss it. We're going to be going to a commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to get into some darker territory for our final topic and get to the listener questions. We'll be right back. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. 
Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. Okay, we are now coming back from commercial break. Not all of us made it back. Uh, unfortunately, Lindsay Volk uh, had to do her day job. She had to go to another meeting, but we appreciate her contributions. And if we talk long enough, she said she'd come back. So if we just kind of like play this out, we can get Lindsay back. But we talked about how the cancellation of Tahiti created so much chaos inside and outside the building that we all had to weather. And we talked about how that impacted the WSL Final Five. We also talked about how that impacted the requalification careers for a lot of the surfers. There were a lot of surfers who were hoping to get another chance in Tahiti to get into the qualification zone for the 2022 championship tour. That didn't happen. A lot of surfers woke up and understood that they didn't have that opportunity. So, you know, surfers like Connor O'Leary, Owen Wright, Michelle Perez, Sage Erickson, Malia Manuel, Jack Freestone, et cetera, et cetera didn't get another shot at it. So as of now, they sit outside the qualification zone for the 2022 championship tour. That's a big deal. We also had some pretty important retirements. You know, earlier this year, we had Julian Wilson, uh, quote unquote, retire. We had Mikey Wright, quote unquote, retire. Jeremy Flores, quote unquote, retire. We can talk about quote unquote for a minute too. But I'm wondering how, how the break room feels about not only the non-retirements, but also just there's some mega talent that's that's leaving center stage for now. I have a quick question before we start, just on the where the cut line actually is on the men's side, because right now it, the last person in is Miguel Pupo, the first person out is Matthew McGillivray. That it, where it is on the site now includes, like it takes into account Julian, Jeremy, and ADS being gone from the rankings. Correct. That's correct. Okay, yeah. cool. Just wanted to check. Yeah. I was just going to say, you got to feel for Owen with this one. I mean, having won Tahiti in the past, he was going into that with being a huge favorite and to lose out on that, you know, granted, nobody could predict that. And we knew this year was going to be challenging as it was. And we're lucky to have had the tour that we did. But uh, you got to feel for Owen. I mean, I think he would have done some amazing things. You see the day after the event got canceled and man, Tahiti was just crazy. Yeah, I think that two that you really have to think would probably it's not a stretch to say they would have qualified most likely if we would have gone to Tahiti was him and and Jack Freestone right two guys that are just really good in the barrel and them being pretty close I mean Owen's just two positions out Freestone is a few more than that like to have that be the way you go out especially after Owen won a bronze medal in Tokyo it's like now you're 
relegated to the challenger series hope that you make it back on tour that's that's a tough pill to swallow and M- michelle Perez as well i mean he's a tahitian local yeah. i think that with michelle and jack being at 28 they had a really high hill to climb even though they are really good at chopu but i think owen's an interesting one like owen he didn't go to pipeline because he stayed home for um, the birth of his child he was planning to come to sunset beach and santa cruz those got canceled for covid and as you guys pointed out, like he's an odds-on favorite to win Tahiti in pretty much any conditions, and he just missed out. So, so it's an interesting one. There are wild cards, of course. There's injury. There's WSL wild cards that often go to injury applicants, but there's also people that have um, allowances, especially in a, a season like we had. For hey, I, I couldn't make it to all the events. You know, I had I had things happening with my family that I, I made decisions to be there for. I would like to be considered for wild cards. So. It's not done and dusted for any of these surfers necessarily. We'll see how the application process plays out and those decisions for the 22 championship tour WSL wildcards will be decided following the Rip Curl WSL finals. You got to say on the women's side as well, Bronte would have been a favorite at Tahiti as well. Well, I think Malia coming off her run in Mexico too would have been pretty pretty dangerous. And she missed it by like 500 points. Like it, if she had won the event, she would have been in. Yeah, that one's tough on the women's side. It's so close between her and Courtney. I think both would have done well at, at Tahiti, but I don't know. That one's tough. Yeah, I'm looking at the women's line right now, and like below the cut line, you've got big names like Malia, Sage. Lakey's not in it because of her injury, so that probably takes up one of the wild cards. Brisa, Macy. I mean, even Amuro, I was super impressed with her in that first event, and then... She's got two dashes next to that. Did she not compete in a couple events? Yeah, so Amuro was um, a replacement surfer this right. year. Um, so she didn't compete in the first two events. Um, she didn't compete until uh, Lakey Peterson withdrew due to injury. But she did compete in Maui? Or she has 11,000 points right at the beach? Or is that the total? Oh, that's the total. Got that's it. the total, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Amuro, and she did so well in the Olympics that like, I wouldn't. I don't know. When we talk about wild cards, like it's not crazy to me if she gets one of them. I mean, Malia can get one of them. Lakey's obviously probably going to get one of them. But that's going to be super interesting to see who gets because there's two women's wild cards, right? Uh, there is. You know, I have to check the math on that. The, you, typically, there's mm-hmm. only been one, but I do think there are two this year. Yeah, the women's is even more, almost more interesting to me on like who who fell below that cut line. Yeah, I mean, Malia's a great one. I, I I think, you know, she's running the Andy Irons um, jersey in Mexico. Uh, the Irons brothers uh, famously dominated those search events, one of them being the 2006 event in Mexico. She did so, so well. Had she won the event, she would have requalified. But also, you know, the young surfers, both the men and the women from Kauai, do so well in Tahiti. And I would have been really psyched to see mm-hmm. her perform out there as well. Wouldn't have been a layup, though, right? I mean, you've got surfers like... Courtney Conlog, Isabella Nichols, Tyler Wright, Caroline Marks, that she would have to kind of outperform in a way to get into the cut line had we had the event. So we'll see how it plays out in the in the offseason here. Speaking of the offseason, uh, one of the other big news items that dropped in the last six weeks, which feels like 10,000 years, was the announcement of the 2022 Championship Tour and Challenger Series calendars. So Really exciting stuff. This is sort of directional for the next several years of the sport. To recap, 
The men's and women's championship tour will have 10 events. All of them will be combined starting at the end of January at Pipeline, then go to Sunset Beach, Super Tubos in Peniche, Bells Beach, and Margaret River. At that point, the mid-year cut will kick in, and a third of both tours will be relegated to the Challenger Series, and we'll get to that schedule in a minute. The back five events on the championship tour, again, all combined men's and women's, will be Garajagan, Trestles, Sakurama, Jeffreys Bay, Chopu, before a to-be-determined venue for next September's Rip Curl WSL Finals. On the Challenger Series, we're going to be starting right after the cut in Australia at Snapper Rocks, then going to Manly, then Belito, US Open in Huntington Beach, Arisera, Hossager, Piha, New Zealand, and Haleiwa. That actually ties into what we were just talking about with some of those relegated surfers to the Challenger Series because some of them can earn their way back on before Pipeline starts in January. We have a Huntington Beach event, Challenger Series event happening at the end of September after the WSL Finals. Then we go to Arisera, Hasegor, and Haleiva to round out the COVID-impacted Challenger Series schedule, meaning that a lot of these surfers have the opportunity to earn their way back in to the championship tour before next season starts. Quick question before we break down that schedule. So for the Challenger Series, how do you get on it in terms of like, is there an invite system? It's not an open, right? So where like anybody can just be on the Challenger Series. Do you have to be invited or have some sort of like points score to get in? And then do we have a cut line? Is there a cut line for like who then qualifies to get back on the championship tour? Are there a certain number that are delegated to get in from there? Totally. It's a, it's a totally good question. So the redesign is now a three-tiered system. You have the elite championship tour where surfers compete for the world title. You have a global challenger series that you have to earn your way on from your regional qualifying series. So the idea now is that if you're a surfer in Australia, you don't have to travel the world to make it on the Challenger Series. You just have to perform in your regional qualifying series in Australia to earn one of their spots onto the Challenger Series. Same for surfers in Japan, same for surfers in Brazil, same for surfers in Africa, Europe, you name it. You have a regional feeder system that is the foundational tier moving into the Challenger Series tier where you then compete for a spot on the championship tour. And moving forward, the spots on the championship tour will be given to the top 10 performers on the Challenger Series for the men and the top five performers for the women. And then so do all the championship tour surfers who got relegated automatically get an invite to the Challenger Series? That's correct. I think that's the coolest thing. Like we're going to see Owen compete at the US Open in like three weeks, like less than a month. If he wants to. Yeah, I mean, right? if he... Just because you have a spot doesn't mean you have to take it. Well, we we could see Owen competing in three weeks, but... I, I just think it's cool that all those guys and guys and girls could be back before the end of the year, basically. We don't have to wait a whole year to see them again. Yeah. When it comes to uh, the Challenger Series, I'm looking at the events and I'm pretty fired up to see them. I mean, Gold Coast as a quote unquote QS, I mean, that wave alone is so rad. And let's hope that it gets as much coverage as a normal event. I'm really looking forward to that. And Piha, New Zealand. Don't know anything about it. Love it. Love seeing new events. And to wrap it up in Hawaii, it's, I don't know, it's pretty exciting, really. What do you think, Kim? Um, I'm excited about it. I think I'm less bummed as everyone about the people who didn't make it because I think it always ushers in like a really cool opportunity for people who we're not always talking about to sort of enter into the the fold. Um, like a couple of episodes ago or whatever, when we were talking about Idolo just sort of coming out of nowhere. Um, I think that makes a much more exciting tour than just the same names 
uh, for the last, you know, 15 years. Um, so I do think that the new cut line sort of offers those opportunities to people that we might not have seen. Um, and to Dave's point, like the regional sort of idea where you don't have to sort of travel the world in order to get a new qualification, I think, again, opens up those doors to like names and faces of people who like might be better than Carissa or Steph, right? Like we just don't know. Um, and so I look at it, maybe that's like two rose colored glasses, but as an opportunity for like new, new people and new ideas, um, new faces to sort of, to come into the sport, which is what we need. It's a good point, right? Because you know, going back to some of the non-retirements, like Adriano, well, Adriano properly retired, but the non-retirements, right? Julian, Mikey, Jeremy. Um, outside of Mikey, like Julian and Jeremy were on tour for over a decade, you know, 10, 15 years. It's a long time to be to be working at something, especially at like an elite level. I think that the challenges of COVID and quarantining and and the the I, th I think that sort of expedited some of those decisions, maybe a little bit, but that's cyclical. You know, every decade you have a new generation of talent moving through. And I think it's hard, right? Because especially in the cases of some of those people that do move on, they have very high profiles and people love them. People want to see them. People want to see them winning events and challenging for world titles. But this has always kind of happened. I was wondering, I'd throw it out to the group, in your history with the league, whether it's been employment or fandom, who has been the surfer who moved on that that disappointed you the most? Not disappointed, but that you were like, man, I wish that person was still surfing with us. Uh, that's pretty easy for me. I got to say, Mick, I mean, he's been my favorite surfer forever. Nicest dude. And he's just every time he hopped in the water, I just jumped out of my seat. And it was a sad day when he walked away, but totally understandable and respectable. But uh, it's never been the same without you, buddy. Yeah, I I think I would say Taj. I think I get why he left too, but I think with this new format, if it could have started while Taj was on tour, it, like I just wanted to see see him get that title. And I think with this new format, it would have really benefited Taj. Um, so I'll say Taj. Also, Rob Machado always just got to rep him just for Dave's sake. I say Silvana. Silvana, guys. <laughs> She was on tour forever. She's so good. And she's so, she's so fucking good. good at surfing. She's so good at surfing. She has such an amazing spirit. And um, I would still love to see her back on tour. I miss her every every competition. She'll be in the Challenger Series, right, Dave? I'd imagine she will be. I mean, she, she is certainly one of those talents that for a period of time was, it, and even now, was in a class of her own. It, it just never worked out results-wise in terms of her being able to hoist the world title trophy. But even to this day, and we saw this in the Olympics, she is so dangerous. She was doing airs like, like 12 she, years ago in competition. <laughs> and we're yeah. like, wow, Riss, yeah. which is amazing not to diminish her, but like where was Silvana's hype when that happened? Like it was nowhere. Mm -hmm. it, she was she was still finding it mm -hmm. sponsored. And so like we're still dealing with this world where Silvana's still not getting the getting the hype that she should, you know. Let it be known here. Silvana <laughs> hype starts here. I will here. die on the Silvana right. mountain. stand number one. <laughs> the, bra the break room stands for Silvana every time. No problem. Um, Absolutely. Before we move on from the tour stops, one thing I just... Oh, Fawcett, you didn't give us a pick, man. Because my fandom has not been long enough to... Know. <laughs> That's okay. That's part of the question. I'm say Taj and Silvana sound like <laughs> great. Yes, we love ADS. Oh, wow. Okay. 
Um, I did want to say before we move on on the CT tour stops, not seeing Mexico on there was a bit of a bummer to me. I haven't been privy to these behind the door conversations about like where our finals are going to be, but I would put my cap in for Mexico because I think Barra gave us the best waves of the year for sure, in my opinion. So like, I would hope we can go back to to Mexico um, next year if that. I mean, it's not on the schedule, so maybe in the finals, and I think it should be part of the part of the tour regularly i totally agree the event was like from beginning to end i was fully engaged i found myself watching every single wave rooting for people there was crazy like storylines drama retirement and i even got to surf the wave after so bring it back please yeah it seemed like everyone had a great time both employees who were down there and like the surfers themselves like i feel like half of them stayed afterwards just because it was so good down there people are still down there yeah (laughs) all feedback duly noted as we work through our uh, finals options for next year All right. Well, we're going to do one more break for commercials. And when we come back, we will rampage through the Instagram questions. We'll be right back. Okay. We are having a supersized Instagram question session. Fortunately, we have a a quorum of people here from the WSL that I think can attack almost every question that got sent through. Ryan, I think you're going to read the questions and then we'll we'll all take stabs at answering uh, when it's relevant. We're going to fire through these because we have got a large mailbag and thank you to everyone who wrote in. We love the large mailbags because it gives us a lot of topics to talk about. So first question from Masciano, uh, who should get the wild cards for next year, uh, next year's tour? Kim, what do you think? I would say that I trust whoever Luke thinks should get the wild cards because he knows much better than I do. Who's Luke? Um, (laughs) Luke is the asker of this question. Great friend of the WSL. Friend of the On the, the women's pod? side, I think, yeah, friend of the pod, yeah. Okay, good. I think Leahy's obviously super deserving. We went over this earlier in the um, conversation, and there's tons on the men's side. So we'll have no shortage of qualified wild cards next year. Next question from Croft underscore nine. Do you get to travel to all the competitions? Croft, I have been to the majority of them, I would say. I haven't been to Mundaka uh, but otherwise, since the last five or six years, I've been very fortunate, lucky, and grateful to have gone to basically every event. So I'm I'm very fortunate in that respect. It's worth noting that not everyone does because I have yet to be to an, at an event. I haven't gone to a single travel event. So uh, same. I think the finals will be my first event. I saw you guys at Surf Ranch. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I guess that's true. Dan wasn't there. <laughs> we but. we do talk about a lot, like which if we got to go to one event, which one it would be. It would not be Surf Ranch. No, Which one would it be for you, Dan? I think J Bay is like the consensus that it's the best. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah J Bay is cool. Dave, can you make it happen that all of the break room gets yeah, to break room travel? Live from J Bay. Break room on location. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been told J-Bay. our podcast is the most profitable property in the building. I think we should, I think we've earned it. Hey, let's do it. Break room on Safari. Live, live from Jeffrey's Bay. <laughs> Next question from Willie Goat 0230. Is the finals format a good idea and is it sustainable? Um, I mean, I think it's sustainable as long as we want to make it sustainable. Um, I love the format. I think making athletes win titles against other athletes is the way that sports should be decided. I think that some of the best moments in the history of sports are when underdogs beat 
favorites. And I think that's the big thing about it is like, oh, Gabe and Carissa deserve it. Like they why why don't they win? It's like, is that how you want every sport decided? Like the Patriots don't get upset by the Giants. We miss out on that amazing sports moment. I just think it's it's a recipe for must watch events and amazing drama where where more people have chances to win titles. I think it's also important to remember that this was like champion decided. They all said, I want to win in the last heat of the season. I want to beat the best surfers of the season. Yeah. To all the feedback to all the people who say they hate it was like, well, the surfers, a majority of them wanted to do it. No one complained about yeah. seeing Italo versus Gabe in the final at Pipe to decide the title two years ago. I mean, I think it's just going to be that every year. So there's nothing to complain about. Not every surfer likes it. Maybe next week we'll get Kolohe's input. on whether. I feel like he's come around to it. We'll see. Next question from Alex HB27. What would it take to bring back the search to the CT? Uh, that's a great question, Alex. Um, the search was an awesome event that went down between 2005 and 2011, where Rip Curl, as an event licensee, had a roving license where they got to change the venue every year. Um, and it was always exciting um, because I think everyone appreciated the change, the surfers, the fans, the media, and they went to some amazing waves and like to a season got incredible surf like at every venue. Um, it is a logistical nightmare <laughs> trying to change venues year to year, um, which is why I think Rip Curl kind of gave it up after a while uh, because they just said, oh man, this is really hard. Then the sport got acquired and things changed. I'm pretty happy that we've implemented a component of the search into the WSL Finals design. And Rip Curl is now sponsoring the WSL Finals, so it's Rip Curl WSL Finals. But the idea is to take the world title deciding event to a different venue every year, which I think is great. I think it's great to keep things dynamic. I also think it's great to also not just kind of stack the chips for one particular surfer that might be good at barrels or might be good at beach breaks or might be good at point breaks. It means that every year it kind of changes up. So so you truly do have to be the world's best comprehensive surfer to win a world title. What was your favorite search event, Dave? Mm. Well, I, I mean, I so so 05 was St. Louis Reunion Island, 06 was Mexico, 07 was Chile. That was the first one I attended in person, which was an experience. 08 was Bali, which I attended, which was incredible. 09 was Portugal. So the Portugal CT started out as a search event, um, and that was amazing. Uh, 2010 was Puerto Rico, which was amazing and sad at the same time. Uh, as the, the event where Andy Irons passed away. Um, it's also the event where Kelly won his 10th world title. And then uh, 2011 was in Ocean Beach, San Francisco. Um, it's hard to pick. I, I probably had the most fun, which is a tall order because all of them were a ton of fun, professionally and personally at the Bali event in Uluwatu. Um, we all had motorbikes. We, we worked really hard. We surfed. We, we enjoyed the culture. Um, it's amazing. Bagus. Bagus. Bali Bagus. I love it. All right. Next question from Santo Ricardo. Should Pipeline host the WSL finals every year or is a search style rotation better? Dave, we'll pitch this one to you as well. Uh, it's a good question. Uh, Pipeline will not be hosting the WSL finals, I don't think, any year because the redesign of the tour has the championship tour running from January through August with the finals in September. Uh, September is not a good month for waves at Pipeline. September is a great month for a number of world-class venues around the globe. 
for performance-oriented reasons. And it's interesting, you know, we, we, we talked about this quite a lot with our ownership group and the surfers group and the tourism competition department. What should the WSL finals be? And, and we kind of leaned on the side of, it should be performance-based. This should be a venue where the surfers who are in the Rip Curl WSL finals are earning their wins and earning the world title based on the strength of their ability to perform. Now, it doesn't mean it has to be in the same wave every time, but when you get to venues like Pipeline and even Chopu, in a way, often uh, the wave decides who wins, right? Um, and we, we wanted to avoid that as best we can. That said, I do think Pipeline and Chopu occupy the best places in the broader design. Pipeline, Pipeline kicks off championship tour season for the men and women and chopu is the big bad monster at the end of the season so i'm really happy with where that's ended up and i do think rotating the venue every season in september is a really good thing for the finals when are we going to announce where the next year's finals is can we break room it or announce it on the pod break break room it i believe and this is breaking news the plan is to announce the 2022 Rip Curl WSL Finals venue at the WSL Awards in January in Hawaii. All right, so we can't break the location, but we can break the news of where the location will break. We just did. (laughs) (laughs) Next question from Aiden Petty. Do you think Morgs will stand a chance against Gabriel after three prior heats? I think this is my favorite question that they wrote in because it just assumes that Morgan is going to go against Gabriel in the final, which I love. Um, I think the answer is no. Hendo, what do you think? Yeah, I hate to break your heart, buddy, but uh, Morg, the cyborg, if he's making it that far, if history, you look at the results, Gabe's got four to zero over Morgan, and Gabe is just so competitively savvy. I think he's going to be so fine-tuned on this final day. I don't really think Morgan has a chance, but uh, good luck, mate. Next question from Jerry1994. What was your reaction when you heard about the Ultimate Surfer for the first time? This is a really good question. Topic of the week. Uh, My reaction was that I've been more excited about other things that I've heard that the WSL is doing. I was kind of into it. I was kind of excited. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I, I just I had no idea what it was going to be. And I've watched Ultimate Fighter a, a little bit. And I, I thought that show is pretty good. So if we can get a 20 season uh, surfing show going, that's going to be good for my job. <laughs> I think it gives a reason for people who do not live on a coastline to care about surfing. Like right now there is, as someone who is from middle America, you do not talk about surfing. You don't really think about surfing. It's not on TV. You're not searching it out. But this is on ABC after Bachelor in Paradise. And I know the core probably hates it, but it's not for the core. It's for all other states that are in the middle right now when it's US only that are in the middle of America that don't get surfing and that don't get the um, exposure to it that, that we get. Yeah, to your point, I had a relative in Colorado text me saying, you watching this Ultimate Surfer thing? It's like, what? How'd you hear about it? It's pretty cool to see that it's reached that far. I feel yeah. like with yeah. the Olympics and this, it's it's a good year for surfing in general. All right. Next question is from Mike Goodburn. Would you consider an optional subscription model for ad-free webcasts and premium content? Um, I don't know about webcasts or premium content in terms of like uh, the surfing, you know, the championship tour stuff. I'll let Dave 
talk about anything that might be there, but I have looked at doing a subscription model for ad-free option for podcasts, not to take away what we currently do where you hear ads. You've probably heard ads in this podcast. You could still listen to that for free, but there, Apple and Spotify are starting to roll out options to where you can subscribe for a low monthly fee, just like you do on Patreon, and get an ad-free option of the podcast. If you want, it's totally optional. You can still listen for free with ads, but that might be something we try out in the future for podcasts if there is an appetite for it. What about the championship tour stuff, Dave? Yeah, I mean, it's something we have considered, do consider, and probably will consider in the future. I mean, the audience for the webcast is really, really significant. I don't think we would ever be in a place, or I can't imagine we'd ever be in a place where we don't offer anything that's free, but you may just have the option of having an elevated premium experience if you paid you know, a subscription. Um, TBD, you know, I, I think um, there's no plans for it in the immediate future, but it's always a topic of conversation. Our next question is from Jesse Giglio, who asks, without naming names, was there anybody who ever made you feel like quitting? <laughs> what do you guys say? Not at this job. Not yet. No? <laughs> oh, Dan. Oh. That's nice, Dan. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to agree. I mean, I've had some long, tough days working well into 3 a.m. in the morning, getting up at 5 and doing it all over. But uh, never once had I considered I want out of here. I've always been pretty of the mindset that I'm pretty lucky to work this job and I'm fortunate to have these experiences. So I think my answer is no. My experience is a little bit different. I think um, it's a very stout yes. Um, just in you know, as complete honesty, like this is a job just like any other job. Um, and you have your good leaders and bad leaders and there are people, you know, without naming names and that make you sometimes question whether you want to stay employed. Um, and that's total honesty. It's a job just like any other job. A lot of people think the World Surf League is like the dream of everything. And there are a lot of great parts about it. And it is a wonderful place to work. There are also times that are very, very hard. Dave? Oh, yeah. I've been here long <laughs> enough. Many times. I, I mean, just to echo Ryan, like, we're very lucky uh, to do what we do. And, and I believe in it. And I believe in where we're going. But it is a place like anywhere else. And I mean, again, I've been here for long enough where I'm like, oh, it's not worth it today. Um, didn't act on it, but but uh, yeah. We didn't hear from Kim. Oh, yeah. Kim was suspiciously oh, yeah. quiet. She's about to walk off. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Kim? Yeah. This experience right now, all of you. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Not until I got bypassed on the question. Um, yeah, of course. I agree with Ryan and Dave. And Hendo and Dan, like I'm, of course, incredibly grateful to work here and for the experience of um, doing something that I also sort of combines things that I love. But at the same time, like you're a person with many sort of rooms of your mind and your personality and sometimes things butt up against other other principles that you have or other ideas that you have. Um, and that can be really hard, but that's true of any job and any place that you're at that pays your rent. True. All right. Next question from Rebecca J. Pettit. What is the reason for there being more men than women on the championship tour? Dave? That's a good question. Um, I think really at the end of the day, it boils down to the global pools of talent that we have to, uh, to matriculate through. Um, and historically, there's been more men than women who have served. So the global pool of talent 
um, just to just to develop has been much more has been much bigger on the men's side than the women's side. But I do think that's changing. I do think it's balancing out, and I think that some of the decisions the WSL is making, all CT events being combined men's and women's, all Challenger Series events being combined men's and women's, we're going to be working through similar things on the regional qualifying series, Pro Junior Series, and just creating more opportunity for surfers to develop. It wouldn't shock me if in a few years that that number leveled out, but at the moment, the numbers are what they are because it is the belief of the organization that if we added more women to the current field, it would dilute the potency of talent. At the same time, if we shaved off more men from the current tour numbers, we'd be missing out on talent opportunities, which isn't to say that men are more talented than women, far from it, but it's more just the broader pools that you have to move talent through our system are just disparate at the moment. And I think that we're working from a, a top-down, bottom-up approach on on sort of calibrating that. And I will say too, like we agree with Kiala Kennelly on what she said on last week's podcast, which was if you give women the opportunity, they will rise to the opportunity. So I think, yeah, like you said, in the next couple of years, the next few years, leveling out that number makes sense. Give them the opportunity. Um, next question comes from Ben underscore Masters. Will or should the East Coast of the U.S. ever get another CT event? You got to think back at New York when they had the quick event there. And maybe we got lucky with that. But I thought it was very entertaining. Kelly had that full rotation air. Everyone who worked it said they loved the event. They were cruising the city. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing that come again. But was that just kind of luck, Dave? A hundred percent luck. <laughs> we... we <laughs> We officially canceled the event because of the hurricane while we were in Tahiti. And then an hour and a half later, they uncanceled it. Um, I, I think the East Coast of the US is really, really special. I think that the championship tour spots are very finite. And being able to rely on a world-class wave really anywhere in the world is a real challenge. And, and I wouldn't say never, but I do think that the East Coast of the U.S. is up against some steep competition for those venues. It was a great event, though. I was there. It's fantastic. Uh, next question comes from the underscore breakdown underscore AU. How can the WSL celebrate individual milestones better, i.e. a 100th event with a custom jersey, etc.? What do you guys think? I think that this is a really interesting idea, um, and... I think it's something that we have to figure out whether it's the best thing for the contest or for the athlete. Like, a, a, you know, a custom jersey is an interesting idea, but jerseys, you know, perform this function beyond just this thing that someone wears. Um, and so I think we have to determine whether it's sort of, you know, a, a valuable thing for the WSL to do versus an athlete to do for themselves or something. Yeah, I think you look at other sports and it's like when it's a huge, huge milestone, the most triple doubles ever in a season, it's like worthy of, you know, maybe a little presentation or something that they do. But, you know, 100th um, event would be equivalent to like a certain amount of games played in a row. It's usually just like a graphic in the broadcast. And so is it worthy of a lot of fanfare and all that stuff. There's not as many stats yeah. in surfing, which I think is what other sports really play on. Like, oh, he's the new passing yards leader or whatever, most goals scored. Like, we can do, like, events. We can do wins. I guess we could do heat wins. There's just not as many, like, little individual things to play up. 
I think there's also something that at least Dan, we've talked about a lot is it lacks context, right? Like what does a hundred events mean? Like who's had a hundred events? Yeah. If there's 10 every year and you go every year, that's 10 years on tour versus, you know, like it, or like heats, like we, we've talked about this. So someone served like 200 heats and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, right. is that, is that a lot of heats or is that not that many? Cause it sort of doesn't really feel like that many. And so it lacks all of this context that I think in order to celebrate, you really it requires that context yeah I agree it would require us to switch like the mentality around stats like that where we're talking about them more across all of surfing in the media and the broadcast whatever so that people know like the 50th win is a huge deal but like the 100th heat might just be because you've stuck around on tour for eight years you know like uh, I, I think it would require a kind of a shift in the way we talk about surfing more as like a sport um, yeah. But I like the idea. It just it's, it's a big task. All right. Next question comes from the underscore grumpy underscore surfer podcast. Will there be an ultimate surfer competition in different countries and not just the USA? Another ultimate surfer question. Making waves. I think the answer is we hope so. Right. If this does well, Dave, that's the hope. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's already been a lot of conversations about having it in other countries. Even this opening season, it's great to have the venue of Surf Ranch um, because it is essentially like a closed set. But the original season wasn't meant to just be exclusively there. There was also supposed to be sort of ocean-oriented episodes, uh, which had to get um, adjusted because of COVID reasons. So, yeah, I I don't think it's contingent upon having um, a wave system, but that, that does provide the right backdrop for it. But we'll see how the season goes. Right on. Next question comes from Poncho Surf, who asks, are there any initiatives planned with, within the WSL to engage the UK audience more? He wants more UK love, Dave. I'm sure. Um, I mean, I think that we're, we're trying to engage all audiences. From a UK standpoint, um, there were a, a number of years where the uh, Boardmasters event in Newquay, England, was uh, a big event. We also had a fantastic event, um, the O'Neill Coldwater Classic Thurso in Scotland. It's great waves there. It's a great surfing community. We do have um, a regional office in Europe that that oversees the UK market. Um, so I think from from my perspective, it just goes back to the opportunity. Like, can we have events that will engage with communities, will engage with young surfers at all levels in these different countries? And that's the best way for them to get involved and to get interested in, in events that happen outside of the UK as well. Right on. Uh, I like this next question from Ben underscore Piera. Why did prize money leave the conversation? There are no more big checks. The pay isn't listed on the websites, etc. Dave, what happened to the pay? <laughs> I, I didn't know the pay wasn't listed on the website. I think the website's gone under a few redesigns and probably someone made a decision that in terms of share of voice, that wasn't a component that needed to be on there compared to ratings points and who was qualifying, who was making the top five. But you know, my understanding, there's still big checks figuratively they might not have the big oversized checks but um yeah surfers are making more and more money and um you know pay quality at the elite level is is totally equal men and women are making the same amount um at, you know across the the positions first place on the men's tour makes the same as first place on the women's tour and they should like they're they're performing and they're performing for a huge audience and um yeah that's that's how a lot of people make their living 
kind of like those big oversized checks that they used to hold up. Yeah, I think when we <laughs> outlawed the bikini babes with the big checks, the big checks went with them. <laughs> Which was only in my career here has that happened, by the way. <laughs> if that's what it takes. I'm okay with it. <laughs> um, okay, next question is from Salty Frames, who asks, will the Margaret River event next year include North Point? Hindo, I think you have some insider info on this one. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it should be will, but I think the question should be should. And the answer is yes. Uh, North Point is a fantastic venue. Logistically, it is a little bit more challenging to set up a broadcast there from the broadcast standpoint and uh, major props to everyone making that happen. But from the viewer perspective, such an entertaining and fascinating way with barrel section airs. I hope so. I don't know, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I think traditionally North Point has been part of that event. Um, I think this past year it was a little bit challenging just because of the COVID protocols and and just really just our our priority of keeping the community safe and our surfers and staff safe. But hopefully we're we're as a global community uh, working together to kind of move past COVID uh, in the next hopefully soon, soon. But um, by the time we get there next year, we'll be in a position to freely move around Western Australia and include North Point because it's a fantastic wave. Love it. Last question from Cago Mezer. What are your favorite surf spots in South America? I'll leave this one to anyone who has a favorite surf spot in South America because I've never been. I've only been to Brazil and I have had some great waves there. So thank you, Brazil, Valeo. Uh, but I do dream of going to that point break where Ryan Birch was ripping mm. those lefts to shreds in psychic migrations. Dave, was that Peru or Chile or something? I believe that was in Chile. You going to shape your own board too, Hendo? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dave, you've traveled a lot. What are your favorite spots? Yeah, I mean, I, in, I've, I've been to Peru and Chile and Brazil. I've gotten really good waves at all those spots. Um, I'm a goofy footer, and the years that I went to Peru, there are world, world, world-class left-handers there, and um, those are hands down the best waves I've I've gotten um, in South America, maybe ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, all those places are great surfing communities and really good waves, and um, I always love going there. Love it. All right, well, that's our Instagram segment, our mailbag segment. Um, thank you, everybody, for writing in. Make sure you are following us on Instagram. We always put up a call for questions where you can write in. You can also send us a direct message at any point in time. We try and get back to those as much as possible. Um, and yeah, we also put up call for questions for all of our guests. So if you have questions for our guests, you can you can write them in on Instagram at the lineup pod. Hey guys, the next time we have a break room, we're gonna have our world champs. Ooh, you wow. mean Steph and Gabe? Yeah. Ooh, we're, me and Kim and Hindo are going to have pizza. I'm going to be eating the pizza you bought me. So. I'm going to have some pepperoni pizza right in front of me. Yeah, wow. we should all just eat. Eat in front of our microphones. Yeah, yeah. everyone loves audio. that. That'd be awesome. Lots of mouth sounds. Everyone loves that. <laughs> Turns into an ASMR podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Gross. Well, uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you to the break room. Thanks to all our listeners. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. So that's it. That's the lineup's third installment of The Break Room. I hope you enjoyed it. Another big thank you to Lindsay Volk, Dan Willen, Kim Hogan, Henry Bayer, and Ryan Fawcett for hanging around and talking shop. All feedback is welcome at, at Dave Prodan and at The Lineup Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And we'll look forward to having everyone back very soon. We are 
10 days out from the start of the world title deciding Rip Curl WSL Finals at Lower Trestles. Mark your calendars, it is going to be a show. This episode is produced by Ryan Fawcett with art direction by Jason Penning. Thanks to both them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges that it is recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Chumash and the Kichtavagnar people. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are, and we'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>